Hello, everyone, and welcome to another week of I'd Rather Be at the Movies. Apologies for our little two-week hiatus, but there's a little bit going on between Justine and I, and we couldn't actually get together to record a podcast. Uh, Justine, do you want to tell everyone what you've oh been doing God. lately? I, w- I took this amazing trip to Israel. Went to Israel? I did, and that kind of was the reason I haven't uh, been in on this little chat show, but I did miss it. Um, and I think also... There was just, we were just so busy with covering films. So for this week, I think it's fair to start with the Oscars, no? Yeah, I think that's probably the biggest that just story happened. we could start with. That just happened yesterday. It literally just happened. Yes. Um, well, Sunday night. It's Monday right now. But it'll be Wednesday when you listen when to you this. When you listen to this. We're getting better with time. This mm-hmm. is, it's coming together. Either way, it's cold. <laughs> it is cold. I do apologize. My, we don't want to pay heat, so we I'm are freezing, just... I'm freezing, man. <laughs> she's got icicles coming off of her, but that's okay. You'll live. The Dedication. podcast will keep you warm. And we'll light something on fire later. I don't know. Who knows? So, let's talk about the Oscars. And let's just start generally, just overall impressions. We'll get up to all the nitty gritty in a minute. Um, first of all, the host... What, what are we thinking about the host there? Uh, it was Ellen DeGeneres, for those of you that might not have seen right. the only thing on TV last right. night, or Sunday night. Mm-hmm. Well, to me, I enjoyed Seth MacFarlane much more. I did too. I am completely on board with this. Controversial statements we're making here, because apparently he was extremely polarizing, and a lot of people felt that he was sexist and racist and all of these things. I'm the first person to cry misogyny, as we all know. As we've all and come to love, <laughs> yes. And I felt that what he was doing and what he does on Family Guy and a lot of his work is he is making sexist comments, but with an overall awareness that he's making a joke, that it's wrong, that it is controversial. When he did that song about all the you know Oscar nominees who have done nudity, the whole point of that was that it was a joke about what he could have done, which would have been terrible. What the, the low blow would have been that he would have gone for, but he didn't do it. So it was his way of doing that, basically poking fun of himself in a way, and, and showing that song. And I think that watching that ceremony last year, you were kind of on the edge of your seat the whole time, going, oh my god, what is he going to say next? I mean, he did Flight with Sock Puppets. I thought that was amazing. And it was cutting edge, and it was it was racy, and it was... I think he had a lot more presence than Ellen did. Yeah. I was not impressed by just her body language and just everything. She had the whole cool vibe. She had the whole demeanor of, like, you know, the normal kind of person. Mm-hmm. But in the same respect, Seth demanded your attention. And like you said, even when he was doing ridiculous things that some people didn't like, he was still this larger-than-life host presence, Absolutely. and he wasn't just... Somebody up there kind of phoning it in a little bit. I'm not saying Ellen phoned it in. Don't get me wrong. I think she did an okay job. But she didn't have any moments that really stood out to me. Um, I mean, her biggest moment was the pizza party thing, which is cool. It, it's that. fun. It, it was, that was quite funny. I think they, they took that joke a little too long, and they just kept running with yeah. it. And it could have been over in, like, one bit, mm-hmm. two bits, but... I would just I wasn't blown away. That's my problem. And the Oscars is this giant spectacle, and I wasn't blown away by Ellen's. She, I mean, her thing is dancing. She loves to dance yeah, and like on her true. show all the time. And it's like, did she do that at the Oscars? No. No, she didn't. She didn't even do whatever you know. Like maybe she didn't because everyone would expect it. But I think you're right about the the way that she kind of approached it, like, eh, just another day kind of thing, you know? It, it, Very nonchalant. And again, yeah. it, it was that whole, you know, relatable vibe, and I get that, and that was kind of her thing, and... The selfie on Twitter, I mean, it was funny. I hate selfies. I hate that whole culture, so I absolutely hate I that, that they that made that a thing. I think that was what she was doing. I, yeah, me too, in a way, satirical. Because, I mean, that was, that was quite funny, um... I, th- I liked the audience interaction. I thought that was interesting. Um, definitely, you felt that throughout the ceremony. But in terms of just wanting to keep watching, I was actually doing a lot of work while I was watching it. As was I. I was editing some interviews for the site. Oh, yeah. And um, and the fact that I didn't really care to keep looking up at the TV. Yes, I have a television. Um, <laughs> you don't have heat, but you do have a television. I do have a TV with a cable. That's a, that's um, a film journalist right there. <laughs> I did look up a few times, but a lot of a lot of the ceremony to me was just 
kind of a snooze. It was a very pedestrian ceremony. It was very mundane. Um, nothing really stood out for me. There was no big spectacle. There was no awesome introduction. There was no... I, I don't know. This one just kind of flew by for me. And it was even to the point that everyone kind of knew what awards were going to win what. We were going through every award and nothing really surprised you me. You know, I agree with you. My whole thing, for whatever reason, and I'm sure a lot of people felt this way, once I saw Lupita Nyong'o take yeah. home Best Supporting Actress, I was like, okay, I can breathe and I'm moving on. That was my one thing. That was the one thing I was like, they have to get this right. Please, God. And her speech, you know what? That was a moment. Every one of the 12 Years a Slave winners, I think, gave a phenomenal speech. I agree with you. I think they absolutely killed the speech game. Her speech about coming from Kenya and, you know, you know, no matter where you come from, your dreams are valid. It's so rare that we see people who come from a country like that, a country in East Africa, come here, study acting at Yale like she did, mm -hmm. and their first role do such a phenomenal job like that. And become an overnight sensation. She's a style icon. She's known for having this booming personality and being so sweet and eloquent and educated. Absolutely educated, yeah. And we don't see that enough, in my opinion. And so to me, it was just so important that she was up on that stage. And I, I thought it was a shame. I um, went on Us Weekly after, yes, I went on some celebrities off <laughs> sites. And it said, you know, Lupita Nyong'o beats Jennifer Lawrence. That was the headline, and I thought that was it, really that was, unfair. That's terrible, because she should have beat Jennifer Lawrence. It was not beating Jennifer Lawrence. Lupita deserved it 100% of the way. It's a completely unfortunate thing to take away her moment and put it like that, in, in those terms, to get more headlines and pit two women against each other and, you know, all of that. It's silly. Uh, it was absolutely ridiculous, in my opinion, because that moment stood out on its own. And I'm, I am so glad that they got it right, as you say. Because that performance was one of the best I've we've seen. Talk, I mean, actress. we've talked about it. Everyone's been talking about yeah. it. And if she didn't win, that would have been a huge. That would have been me basically like turning off the Oscars. Yeah. I would have stopped watching. I would have checked out. I would have checked out completely. Uh, so that I kind of when that happened and she had that beautiful speech and I was like, okay, we're good. I just moved on and I, I felt like the rest, of course, was not really anything shocking. And I think sometimes, as much as I'm a film lover, and obviously. My obsession with movies has been parlayed into a career. Uh, Somewhat I of a career. Still, uh, <laughs> yeah, right, I don't have heat. Right? The starving artist. <laughs> Ramen noodles. Um, I do sometimes find it a little iffy at these ceremonies, the self-congratulatory, self-importance feel that it gets when mm -hmm. they're celebrating each other and how wonderful they are and how great they are for society. It kind of really puts me off a little yeah. bit. And so it's usually, it's sometimes hard to watch for me, um, and I will admit that. Yeah, no, I completely uh, agree with that. Yeah. So before we get to the actual awards and stuff like that, we just discussed Lapita, so we won't talk about best right. supporting actress. They got it right. They, they nailed got it. Right. Done. So before we do that, I'm gonna count to three, and on three, you're gonna say what you liked most about the Oscars. I'm gonna give you like two seconds. To no, think of I can't think of anything. Why? We're gonna do this. All right, fine. I can think. Ready? I can think of something. On so I'm going to count down for okay. three, and you're going to say your favorite part of the Oscars. Okay. Three, two, one. Pharrell's best hat. Picture. <laughs> Pharrell's hat. How is it not Pharrell's like, hat? Best picture. No, I was thinking of something with more meaning. No, I wasn't. I was thinking of Pharrell's hat. Pharrell's hat made a glorious comeback from the well, Grammys. You know, the music was... The, the music was good, but I'm strictly talking about Pharrell's hat. Do you not understand the phenomena of Pharrell's hat? This is like the time where, during the Golden Globes, you were talking about someone's suit from Brooklyn Nine-Nine. Terry Crews. I feel like <laughs> yes, you but get Pharrell's very hat hung a, up on style. No, Pharrell's hat is a legend at this style. point. Do you, I, do you not know the you know, backstory of Pharrell's hat? I am so sorry. I was. There I was, is a Twitter you can follow called Pharrell Hat. I and really he updates am upset you. that I don't have, can I follow it right you now? You can right now, you should be. Pharrell Hat. He was quiet, and then all of a sudden Pharrell came out, and all of a sudden there was a tweet from Pharrell hat, Hey guys, I'm back. Did you know that Pharrell sold his Grammy hat for charity online? And during that, there was the whole exchange with him and Arby's, and Arby's was jokingly saying that they stole their logo, and Pharrell's hat was like actually theirs and stuff like that. You don't know any of this? I don't. Arby's won the auction for Pharrell's hat, and immediately tweeted at Pharrell saying that they got the hat back. So what does I, Pharrell do? I can't believe I missed 
There's so much Pearl joy comes out been brought with to a my new life. hat. A new black hat, not a brown hat. He comes out with a black one. Still looks like Ranger Rick or whatever right. kind of Smokey the Bear character you'd like to attribute that uh-huh. to. And absolutely kills it. This man is murdering the hat game, and I'm very happy he brought it back for he the Oscars. He did down his performance, too. He did. Great that was That was quite a highlight. We should talk about... Yeah, if you don't follow Pharrell Hat, you should be following Pharrell Hat right now. I didn't know any of this. I'm really angry at myself for missing this pop culture phenomenon. The phenomenon of Pharrell Hat. No, when you said that, I thought best picture, to me, was the best moment, aside from Lupita's speech, because we were just talking about this earlier. Steve McQueen winning and being up there when he, a few years back, was... So wait, we're going to get serious now, right? Is this serious point now? Uh, we yes. Get, okay, all right. I'm sorry. All right, Pharrell enough, with the, enough serious, Pharrell hat. I'm sorry. I will put the kibosh on the Pharrell hat and just eat, please. Continue. And Steve McQueen was an artist, or is still an artist, but you know what I mean. He, was, he did uh, art exhibits and paintings and whatnot. And there were people back in the UK that appreciated his work and said to him, We'd like you to make a film. You're so brilliant. We think you would do wonders with something more cinematic. And funded his first film, Hunger. And that was in 2008. So we're talking not that long ago. He had the opportunity to do a very small, meaningful, amazing film. And now he's an Oscar winner. He's on, you know, on the mainstream track. And it didn't take him long, honestly. No, and something like Shame, which was extremely underrated. I think it's really amazing to see that because people putting their money, putting their resources into something like Steve McQueen's work a few years back has now made this filmmaker, you know, who had this more indie background, come up into the mainstream and do fantastic work, more meaningful work than, than we see often. And I think it's just a testament to how far resources can go if they're put in the right place. And the right people took notice of his mm-hmm. early work, too. That was, that was the other true. thing. You get Brad Pitt coming in and his production company, and I mean, they're the ones that made 12 Years a Slave happen. Right. You know, not the movie, but they gave the backing for that, and yeah. they're the ones that believed in Steve McQueen. So... You do a few of those movies, you know, he only did two movies, yeah. and he got an accreditation, and he completely deserved to direct 12 Years a Slave. Mm-hmm. So, it's not only the money, and it's also, you know, what you do with it, and this man, absolutely, he deserved it. So, best picture, obviously, I was surprised a Me little too. bit. too, I thought it might be Gravity. I thought it was Gravity, because we see Gravity winning everything before it. Mm-hmm. We see it win original score, visual effects, cinematography. Editing, sound editing, sound mixing, mm-hmm. all of those things usually attribute to best picture. Right. Then all of a sudden, 12 years wins. And it's like... But why? As Alan said, there's two possibilities. 12 years as a slave wins best picture. Or we're all racist. Or you're all racist. Thank yeah. God we weren't racist. I had a tweet <laughs> ready saying, we're all racist. Thanks, guys. Thank, and, uh, thank and I could delete it, could happily delete it, because I think... I'm going to say myself, mm-hmm. I think Wolf of Wall Street should have won. Oh. I'm one of the only people that believes that. I love that movie. I know I have a weird obsession with it, and I think it was the I, best. I agree with you that I'd rather watch that 50 times yeah. than 12 Years a Slave. But the fact that 12 but Years won is, what... I completely agree with it as well. It's one of those things where mm-hmm. it's like, personally, Wolf of Wall Street, but... Personally, I would have seen Leo walk away with it. I think that would have been amazing. That's next. That's the next point. <laughs> okay, sorry. I yes. agree with you on that, too. But no, I think 12 Years a Slave, they, they got it right. That was the thing for me. I was on Twitter the whole time, completely just waiting for Gravity to win. And numerous people, too, were with me on that. And, like, everyone, we it was a con- congratulatory, like, tweeting after that. We were all, like... You know, patting each other's on the back and all emoticons and emojis. Yeah, <laughs> that's you all, you, sad. You that willed it to win Best Picture. Willed it via to win. Media. I did. I said it right before they did it. I said, "Get this right, guys. You're gonna do this." And they did. And yeah, they did. It was happy. That was yeah. the one moment during the show that I actually went, "Oh wow, I'm, I'm feeling good about this." It's not gonna make me ever watch the movie again. No, it disturbed it's... me so much. But it is on Blu-ray this week, actually. So, just so you know, guys. If Perfect you want freaking to. timing. 
right? if you would like to watch it again. If you have a night you really want to be depressed, um, you should watch this movie. No, I'm kidding. It's actually... Or if you just want to own everything Steve McQueen, I think I might get it just because... I'm going to wait for the Steve McQueen the, box set. Steve McQueen box set. I, I, I think, can't wait to see That's going to be something eventually. From him. I mean, do you talk of Criterion maybe someday? I just feel, I'm just so excited for whatever he releases next. I'm sure it'll have Michael Fassbender in it. Better. Because that seems to be the tradition. That man. And, uh, yeah, and I, I loved seeing Fassbender nominated. I know we knew this already, that he was nominated. Obviously, the nominations came out months ago. <laughs> I loved seeing him being <laughs> But I loved oh, seeing right. him sit, sitting there after, you know, the big letdown with Shane, which was utterly ridiculous. I'm yeah, so I mad know. about that. I, uh, I thought that was great. And, of course, no one stood a chance, apparently, against Jared Leto. And I think he was he was one of the only shoe ins and we'll get that over with right now. Him winning for best supporting male actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, who else? I mean, you look at the category and there were plenty of people that could have, mm-hmm. but his performance in Dallas Buyers Club was just that much better than everyone else's. But who would have thought, right? Who would Not, have thought uh, that Jared Leto would do such an incredible work? Looking strikingly like Jesus. He looked a little bit well, like that Jesus. Well, was Ellen's joke. You know, there's so yeah, many exactly. women here, but, you know, nobody's going to be prettier than Jared Leto, which yeah. is true. It's kind he of He brought his mom. How adorable is that, that he brought his mom? I love celebrities that do that, you a know? A lot of people that was I, they do, yeah. last night. But I'm saying, Jared Leto makes such a pretty woman. Didn't you think? No comments. <laughs> Were you kind of attracted to him in Dallas Fires Club? Yes or no? Ah, <laughs> uh, you're putting me on the spot here. I'm gonna please. He gave a look that suggested yes, he was. Matt's look. I didn't know what to think. I was very confused. But anyway, that was. Listen, we're gonna leave that be. Let that. Let sleeping dogs lie. <laughs> but no. So the leading role. Let's go to then. You know, leading man, McConaughey. It's repeat of the Golden Globes. I mean, everyone kind of saw it coming. Okay. Dallas Buyers Club okay. sweeping both. Yeah. Who would have saw it? You know, I texted a friend of mine, and I'm like, we're now living in a world where Matthew McConaughey has an Oscar. And I know that this was a gradual process, I think, from The Lincoln Lawyer on. I enjoyed The Lincoln Lawyer a lot. Me too, and, and I enjoyed what he did with Magic Mike. I thought that was really interesting. There was talk of him getting, getting a nomination for that, and just the fact that there was talk of him maybe getting Being nominated. nominated for that role, I think that was interesting and a sign that he really did turn a corner in his career. Um, you know, everything he's doing on True Detective... And all of these different films, you know. My we friend, have a serious McConaughey now. Well, my friend Alicia Malone, who's amazing, she on her podcast has referred to it, uh, Malone's Movie Minute. Plug another podcast. She's referred to it as the McConaughey. The McConaughey. The McConaughey. All right. And uh, kind of sounds like a moccasin. <laughs> McConaughey. Matthew McConaughey. Need to put on my McConaughey. You know, and I, I think that's something that's quite interesting to see. It's very difficult, I think, once. Hollywood and the media put you in a certain mold, right? You know, pegged you. You get typecast. You you get the typecast effect. It's really difficult to break out of that. How many terrible romantic comedies did he have to struggle through just to break out of? Ghost of Girlfriends Pass. Failure to launch was that him? (laughs) What was? Are you dying? Yeah. Oh, sorry. I just remembered it. Failure to launch. Exactly. I have the same reaction to it. Yeah. No, but again, so many terrible romantic comedies, and not that they don't all have to be terrible, but... A lot of them did well, um, you know... They made the money. You gotta make money, and then once you have I the money... I in 10 days, I gotta say, that is a guilty pleasure I have watched. I could see that, times. yeah. Um, and yeah, a lot of them were quite fun, but I think it's really rare to break out of that. I think one of the few people that also did it, I would say, is Bradley Cooper, just starting out with things like Wedding Crashers, and then becoming a He's serious still, yeah. Oscar-nominated Well, it's actor. starting out in things like Wet Hot American Summer. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go back to Cooper, come on. Oh, Go goodness. back on Cooper. Yeah, I He's been being a silly bastard for way uh, longer than you're giving him credit for. But know, I kind of like that Cooper sometimes. Mm-hmm. I, I don't hate that side of Bradley. And it's great when he does Not things like all, Place Beyond the Pines, but... It's interesting the, the corner that he turned in his career after yeah. Limitless. You know, so it's a rare thing to see. And, uh, I, I, by the way, I love the clip they showed uh, for Best Supporting oh, Actor yeah. Bradley, uh, Bradley Cooper. I thought that was great. Only rivaled by June Squibb's click, like, clip. Sorry, click. <laughs> no, her... Squibb's click would be some badass. I would be in that click. I would gladly <laughs> I, be I in that click. I could only hope to... I would vie for a spot. <laughs> <laughs> so then when you look at Kate Blanchett as a leading winner, um, 
Not really a surprise. That no. was another one that was... Loved her speech. It, it rambled a little bit too long, but I It did it. ramble a bit long, but... I, I, not like, I don't mean anything against any of the actresses, but, like, I, I didn't want to see Sandra Bullock win. I don't think she deserved it. Oh, I, I'm not on amazing. big... That was the big thing in Gravity that I actually liked. I did really like the movie, but I, I remember thinking that she was the most affecting thing more than the visuals. She did a phenomenal job. She got nominated for a reason. Mm-hmm. But I thought there was a lot of love for Gravity, and I thought that was going to carry her into just winning. It was definitely a possibility, but... Man, Kate Blanchett's performance just... And in a Woody Allen movie. That's, I love that she won in a Woody Allen movie. And she just played such a terrible person, and yet it just feels so bad for Some of the best characters are terrible people. I, most of the best characters are terrible yet, people. Why do we love Leo as Jordan Belfort? He was a I piece of scum. Leo's. I would like to see those two characters together in a Woody Allen film. That would <laughs> Jordan Belfort in a Woody Allen movie. Yeah, I don't Jasmine, think that works. <laughs> I think they'd both just kill each other pretty quickly at the same time. So then what about directing? Um, Alfonso wins, obviously. I love for that. For Gravity. But anybody? McQueen? I would have, yeah, I would have loved to have seen McQueen win, but he did get quite an important award. He did. <laughs> you know, the award of the night. He, he was the man of the night. Alfonso did something so incredible and so different. Had, had limited resources, I believe created resources well, to make Because you can't go to space. <laughs> the hard <laughs> the, part about making a movie in space is you can't go you to space I mean? and film. The technology that they used No, they had to wait for the time to be right. New. They had to be able to pull off the atmosphere of being in space, which, which they do. There's a Had reason... they actually gone to space, they would have won this picture. Just kidding. I don't know if they would have. I think they created a more beautiful space than it really yeah, is. Yeah, space is probably a letdown. The universe. Down. I mean, there's a reason they won all those visual effects, and there's a reason they won all the editing. They should have. It was, yeah. That's what they should have won. That, and again, that's... One of like the first tweets I put out was like, oh, I'm glad Gravity won one of the only awards that it should win. Like, mm-hmm. I didn't want to see it win Best Picture. Yes, the editing, everything, it was flawless. Yeah. You know, but mm-hmm. I'm going to make my argument for Martin Scorsese here. And again, okay. I'm going to go do that because no one else really is. But I this think- man is making movies with the energy and vigor of like a 20-year-old, yet he is a very aged director who's been around for so long, and he's still so prominent, and he can still put a movie out there mm-hmm. that's three hours long, and, and it feels like, like an, an hour, hour and a half. half. I agree with you on that. He, the I way he attacks, I want that four-hour cut, the rumored four-hour cut that's out there that Shut apparently up. won't be... I'm so mad, I now know about Pharrell's hat and this. Apparently it won't be on the Blu-ray. Blu- it might be on the Blu-ray. They're all saying no, but you never know with this kind of stuff. Special features, stuff like that. Don't get my hopes up, man. But, again, the fact that Scorsese can make a movie like The Wolf of Wall Street at his age, after doing so much, and it's still so masterful. Here's what I think happened, okay. He's a director that we know is amazing. He's a legend, living legend. We know he does great work. He's been rewarded for that work before. For The Departed, though. Unjustly. Unjustly for The Departed. Not for some of the movies we really think he deserved it for. Goodfellas. Um... (laughs) Still mad about that. Yeah, something in your throat there. <laughs> I'm still mad about Goodfellas not winning, and I wasn't even really invested. Yeah, yeah. I was we couldn't understand <laughs> that. It's like I, I years couldn't later when say I found Goodfellas Alex. at that point. Uh, yeah, we definitely shouldn't know what Goodfellas shouldn't have known what Goodfellas was at that. Age. And I didn't, unfortunately. Uh, I but I think he kind of was forgotten about because it was like, here we have Steve McQueen being elevated to the mainstream, and that's incredible, and I think he's getting all this attention, rightly so. And then you have Alfonso doing something so new and innovative and beating the odds and making this interesting, unique movie... And there's Scorsese is, well, we already know he's great. He's yeah, exactly. Oh, it's yeah. Mark Scorsese. He's yeah. just the man. He can do... You know what I mean? And, and, uh, I, but I think we should be rewarding the fact that he is still the man. He is still well, the man the to be. the box office returns are there. And, they are. I... You know, the nominations are there and will continue to be there. I mean, this man's not slowing down. But a nomination's a nomination. I would have loved to see Leo actually get his for something that he deserves it for because... And Leo will have his day. But again, it's going to be one of those roles that 
we give it to him because we should have given it to Possibly. him a while ago. Possibly. It's like, oh, you know, well, I don't know that there's anything wrong with rewarding the body of work at the end of the day. You know, an award is an award. But with Leo, we have to remember that the Academy seldom nominates him. Yeah. Especially when he really deserves it, which is odd, right? Revolutionary Road, I thought he was phenomenal in that. Does not get enough love. There's a lot of mixed... Mixed judgments on that. But he was... Yes, but he was good. Yes. Whatever. You can say whatever you want about it. He was that character. He was that character. And uh, in Django Unchained, his role in Django Unchained, how can you not nominate him for supporting actor for that? He was scary as hell. That's... Yeah. (laughs) Um, I was on edge. (laughs) I was scared of Leo DiCaprio, which doesn't happen. Mm, I wasn't. (laughs) (laughs) Kidding. Uh, so, So I think... Him being out and him sitting there, I think that was lovely. Well, no matter what, I'm going to be bitter about this, so we might That's as well okay. just move on. Look, I don't <laughs> like Matthew McConaughey's speech. <laughs> I, I kind of dug his, all right, all right, all right. Come on. Well, you yeah, got to love. Whatever. That's the third time he's done that at these things. <laughs> well, of course. He's, what, what else is he not? What do? else is he yeah, going to do? I know. Whatever. I did, you know, it's, it was great to see him win. It was, it, was, it was fascinating to see him win. I get older, they stay the same age. <laughs> I love him. I mean, I love him as a person, and so that's such, fine. such an interesting movie, such a bold movie, such a strong message film without being heavy-handed that really reminds you that not long ago, we uh, despise certain groups of people. Um, It's cool that Spike Jones won for her. I'm glad that that yeah. actually won something. So, I mean, I knew it wasn't going to do anything else, really. That was just one category to actually hit. So I'm glad it did. Um, the weird Ridley McQueen feud. I'm glad he won for adaptation because 12 Years a Slave was great, but just the whole bad blood between them and the rights and not putting certain names in certain places. Mm. It's like a weird feeling because you see them on stage and did you see the fake clapping by McQueen when... Uh, I think it's such a shame that that yeah. happened because it's taking away from something that's so amazing. Yeah, and, and it's just yeah. a silly squabble between who gets more credit, and I, I don't know. The dude wrote Undercover Brother. You know, like, come on, give him some respect. <laughs> You're going to write Undercover Brother. I that information out, and you just... Think about that. Name. The man who wrote Undercover Brother also wrote 12 Years... Really? Adapted 12 it Years a, a Slave. It was a night of people beating the odds, right? It, honest... A night of people changing that, their first... You know, the first steps in their career yeah. into something remarkable. Exactly. <laughs> so dreams can come true, everyone. <laughs> Um, the animated Oscar going to Frozen, obviously. There was no you. competition there. Love Frozen. And the song winning. Well, that too, right. I thought it was I think John Travolta just destroying names. Yeah. What is with people who did it? Zach Efron did it at the Golden Globes, too. People just can't talk. Uh, you have one name to say on stage. I get you might... You're, you're an actor. A theatrical <laughs> professional that I know posted uh. on Facebook... John Travolta is just trying to prove he's not gay by mispronouncing the names of Broadway stars. There you go. That's <laughs> so that's what happened, if you need to know. Well, all right. I, I didn't need to know that, but now I do. And the last thing we're going to bring up, I was surprised at this because the documentary, <laughs> 20 Feet from Stardom. And I noticed today on the site, your interview with the cast, with is... the singers, is doing very well. It is. The popularity is back. Yes, Justine and I were... I'm going to say we're lucky enough to sit down we with the enough. stars. It was a great day. It was uh, like an hour late. We kind of had to wait because they weren't ready, but yeah. it happens. And but we did get to... At the same time we were trying to do our interviews, there was a party going on. on that the floor too. Below. We did this yeah. in a pub. It's usually that was a really weird video interview, doing yeah, it in a pub. Because again, you can hear people, and you know, there's servers walking around, and you're it trying to do an so interview. Weird. But we got to sit down with the stars of Twenty Feet from Stardom. We did Lisa Fisher, Judith Hill, Darlene Love, and they were phenomenal. They were so nice. Oh yes. We only got like four, five minutes each with them, and I could have sat there for half an hour and it just talked their ear off. It's always lovely when you get to cover a film like this, as opposed to something where you know, just major stars that are so used to talking about themselves they could care less. I mean, these women were so happy to be in an interview Absolutely. and to get their names out there and to share their experiences. They were so passionate. It was great. But th- unfortunately, this was the only snub of the night in my eyes. Because oh. the act of killing should have won for but best then how documentary. How would your interview be getting more hits today? <sighs> My review of the act of killing would have been getting more hits, uh, and I would have been okay with that because it actually deserved it. On this video, I can see your face. 
You can see my pretty face everywhere on the videos. <laughs> but, no, I really do believe The Act of Killing should have won. Joshua Oppenheimer made a movie that was horrifying, mm -hmm. um, insightful, revealing. Every human emotion he hit on. And the way that he actually went about The Act of Killing. Did, did you see it? Do I have to explain a little bit? I'm going to do the really quick explanation because I don't want to waste much time here. But it's a movie basically about a group of Indonesian death squad leaders oh, wow. years later after the whole government overturning just everything it's basically a long time ago a lot of people killed a lot of people and now they live their lives like normal humans oh shoot and oppenheimer went in chills that's not just the fact that there's no heat <laughs> well it might be but <laughs> it's, it's your blue skin is telling me otherwise <laughs> but oppenheimer went in and he told these you know, death squad people, who are now, again, they have families, they're grandparents, Ooh. they're just, he asked them, you know, I want you to recreate some of your killings mm. as your favorite movie scenes, because, side note, they were also huge movie fans, and apparently that was, you got your start in the gangster world by being one of those, like, basically movies, gotta uh, be kidding uh, there's a connection, it's great, so he, and they do it joyfully first. They think it's so funny and happy and fun that they're going to go in and recreate parts of their lives with their favorite scenes, like a Western or, you know, a gangster movie. And he slowly breaks down these characters by showing them what they did and the terrible things and people crying, just reenacting it. And some characters turn one way, other characters don't turn. Wow. Some characters... I, I don't want to say anything because, again, this oh, is what you watch like Literally, as soon as I walk out of here. I'm not a big documentary guy, and this it. movie... I'm going to download it on my phone and watch it on the subway. And then if, I'm going to miss my stuff. If you can get service on the subway, then you up, need to tell me your carrier. I'm going to buy it, download it, and then it'll be in my iTunes. There you go. And then I'm going to miss my stuff, and I'm going to end up in like a reenactment of that, because I'll be in the South Bronx. So. Don't die. <laughs> if you die because well, you watch this movie... No, but you I mean, sold it, man. It, I think Oppenheimer really deserves to win this one. And I, I, you know, I saw 20 Feet of Stardom too, and it was great. Well, I think maybe it's because that was more of a Hollywoodized. Oh, I would say so. Uh, you yeah. Know, crowd pleaser. That yeah, but. Or possibly. God, I don't know. Do people actually watch all the movies when they vote? I don't even know. No, because people, they did that interview with that guy who I. It just pisses me off thinking about it, but basically one of the judges came out and said he didn't even see 12 Years a Slave because it didn't look like his movie. Wow. If you're voting in the Academy, yeah, there's nine movies I'm you have to see per year. I don't even care about everything. Just see the nine Best Picture nominees I or ten. Mean, like, especially with You had one job. With documentary and foreign film, I feel like they probably don't. I agree. Every year I completely like, agree. Wait. How did that win over that? I don't understand. I mean, I saw The Act of Killing. I live in New Jersey, and I saw it at the Montclair Film Festival. Okay. Again, not a big... F I mean, considering Jersey Film Festivals is actually one of the bigger ones, but right. you're not getting big movies there. You're not mm -hmm. getting much. So the fact that I could see this down the road from me, and I sat there that night, and I'm like, this, this has to be an Oscar winner. This has okay. to be. I don't care where it's being shown. I don't care. But like you said, 20 Feet from Stardom... That's the more glitzy, glamorous. Mm -hmm. It's got Bruce Springsteen in it. It's got it Sting in it. Unfortunately, the act of killing just has a bunch of Death Squad leaders. But right, not everyone's covered. You have to go Draft House Films. They put it out. They've been showing it at their Alamo Draft Houses, and now it is out on DVD. So I think it is at least. I hope so. I believe so. Don't quote me on that. Just go look on the internet. <laughs> if it's there, it's there. Just find it. Just find watch it and it. watch it because it's the best documentary I think I've ever seen in my life. That only okay. ri only rivaling Dear Zachary, which I'm not going to talk about because I don't want to cry. I know what you're talking. I don't want to talk about it either. I know, I know. exactly what yeah. you're talking about. I that might have been one of the only times I cried in college. I cried for many reasons in college, but <laughs> mostly because of the cost. <laughs> well, I'm crying now because but, of that. And I'm still crying. Let's get past our massive debts. <laughs> So, the Oscars 2014, basically a black tie pizza party that crashed Twitter for oh, 10 minutes. Oh, that's a good way to put it. That no was... No surprises, no yeah, thrills. That's about it. Yeah, yeah. Let's move on. Yes, I'm done please. with the Oscars until next year and then when everyone writes about it. I'm also happy that there's going to be no more Oscar talk now before or after because right. I couldn't stand every pre-post Oscar article that every brand... I agree brand, with you. Oh. On with the show. 
It's part of the nature of the beast before of our business. Before season starts again in September. So we only yeah, before we start talking about it now. Yeah, we have a month before that happens about. <laughs> All right, so do you want to do a little bit of Matt's movie den where I sit down and explain things you should see and probably terrify you? I, I would say uh, game. I still have not seen the Billy Zane films. You shouldn't. I'm going to hit you if you see no, this. You're not invited like, you back. You don't understand. Even when you tell me a bad movie, the way you explain it, it makes me say, I need to see that terrible movie and laugh. Alright, I'm gonna go with a good movie first then. Okay, fine. This movie's called The Den. Go. Well, what do you mean go? It's called The Den. <laughs> <I'm> <laughs> tell the, I, this is it. me going. Written and directed by a new guy called Zachary Donahue, and it is about basically chat roulette. The Den is a social online chat roulette system okay. where you just get random people on a video and you can talk to them whenever you want. So of course my fears were confirmed within the first few minutes that it'd be full of dicks because I don't know if you ever want a chat roulette. It's a terrible place where very per perverted men go and just... I've heard stories. I'm just happy to say I have not experienced this. I might have gotten drunk once or twenty times in college and spent many a night Many have been there. laughing with my friends going on chat roulette. But anyway, getting back to the real point of the story. Um, the main character, Elizabeth, played by Melanie Papalia. That's a mouthful there, sorry. But she is a grad student, and she gets a grant mm. to basically study the den. Quote-unquote, the den, but chat roulette. Let's just, you know, call it what it is. And she gets to sit there and talk to people all day. And the point is she wants to do this, like, psychological, sociological study on yeah. people and what they use the den for and why... They're just talking to anybody. Because, again, it's a great way to communicate with anybody instantaneously. It's great. It's perfectly brilliant for a study. Basically, after seeing Phallus after Phallus after Phallus and <laughs> a few cool people thrown in between and her friends. She talks to her friends a lot and her boyfriend. Basically, what happens is she witnesses a murder. She doesn't know if she witnesses a murder because it's the internet and anything can happen. But she sees a girl being tortured and she sees her being killed. So she reports it. The cops can't do anything because it's the internet and people do cra crazy stuff like this all the time, which they also exemplify with pranks. There are pranks on chat roulette too that people are right. sick and they'll like stage like a game of Russian roulette and you think you saw somebody's eye, but then all of a sudden they're laughing about it. So that's okay, but... I'm so terrified right now. Like, you have no idea. Basically what happens <laughs> is... Why do you do this Obviously the murder is real. It better be. Her computer's... I have to say this as well, it's found footage. We're watching this from a laptop screen. So we see her laptop screen and we see the chat roulette box that she's always talking to somebody in. We see, you know, if she's online, we wow. see if she's talking to somebody. Yeah, that was brilliant. They, cinematography, how they pulled this off is amazing. And then they switch it up, you see FaceTiming, so that's the way they get out of the okay. room and if you need to get around, they're FaceTiming. So that's brilliant. And then also ties into the death was real. There is a stalker who's now hot hacking into her computer, and they can turn on her chat roulette and spy on her, and they can... Can I interrupt you there for a second and say why this is so frightening? Because this can really happen. A, this can really happen, right? It has been reported several times. A lot of, a lot of women, probably men too, who knows, have had their computer cameras turned on remotely by a hacker, mm -hmm. like taking photos of them and stalk them, but what you're telling me is reminding me of a Dateline episode I actually saw recently from a few years ago, and it is about how there, there were a lot of chat roulettes, one in particular where suicidal teens I heard about and this. adults would go yeah, to talk about their problems and, and talk about committing suicide together and make suicide packs. And it turns out that there was a man on there pretending to be all different kinds of people to connect with teens and whoever it was that was suicidal and would make pacts with them, with them to commit suicide on camera. And a number of people all over the world ended up committing suicide because of these pacts that they made with this random person who happened to be a dude in some remote town and they couldn't investigate properly or prosecute properly. Because, again, yes, on it's chat, the internet. on computer, you never know. So this is really chilling to me. So I'm, <laughs> I think fairly, I'm, I'm going to stop there. The next one I want to do, this one came out already. It's called Cheap Thrills. Did phenomenally on the festival circuit. I am a big Troma fan. 
uh, from Long Island, those really cheesy Lloyd Kaufman B movies. Mm -hmm. I got to talk to Lloyd, I got to meet him, go to Troma Studios, but huge fan. I just love stupid shit. I can't tell you why, <laughs> but silly, ridiculous horror is what yeah. I like. And Cheap Thrills has a very Troma vibe. Mm. Uh, it's written by Trent Haga, and it was directed by E.L. Katz, and the Troma influence is there. Wow. Stars Pat Healy, who was in The Innkeepers by T. West. He's been I in other stuff. The Innkeepers. Also stars Sarah Paxton, the other person in The Innkeepers, the wow. blonde-haired female. Yeah. Also stars Ethan Embry from Empire Records. Go back a long time. Mark from Empire Records. Just shout out to The Innkeepers for a second. Watch that. It's really interesting. Okay. Now go back. Sorry. I agree with that. Shout out. Big yeah. T West fan, so mm -hmm. I'm glad that you like that. Yeah. And then the final part to this puzzle is David Kochner, champ kind. You're, you're giving me a look like, do you know who he is? Or <laughs> just I was waiting me. for you to finish your sentence. No, that's it. That, that, is, that is the cast of this movie. Okay. And that is why it is so awesome. Because Sarah Paxton and David Kochner are basically rich socialites that go to a bar one night. Mm. And they are celebrating. And they meet Pat Healy and Ethan Embry's characters who... Pat Healy just lost his job. He's probably going to get evicted. He goes to a bar after work, after getting fired, and he meets Ethan there, who he happens to know from school. They haven't talked for like five years. So they're, just, they're reuniting. They're having a night of, you know, kind of commiserating together a little bit. They're kind of, he's, well, Ethan Embry's, you look at him now, he's a big burly guy. He's like, you know, been in prison and right. stuff like that in the movie. And the whole idea is they walk over, they meet David Kochner and Sarah Paxton, and it turns into a game of sorts where Kochner and Paxton are willing to pay them to do things. So first it's something as simple as whoever takes the first tequila shot makes 50 bucks. I don't like so, how this is going. so they slam tequila. They do a few of those and they make 100 bucks each that about simple, that. Is it? No. Then it goes into, oh, go over to that girl at the bar, get her to slap you, and I'll give you $300. So Ethan Embry does it in a heartbeat. Pat Healy can't do it. Pat starts to see that he might be able to make some money from this. They all have character names, so I'm just referring to the actors, just so yeah. you guys know. I just wanted to throw that out there. But it starts when he get, Pat Healy's character gets $500 to swing at a bouncer. Mm. And he does. And he gets decked. And he wakes up at Kochner's house with Ethan Embry. They're still there. And basically this is where the game starts to really get... Crazy? Oh my god, more chills. What? what is it with you? <laughs> I watch a lot of horror movies, you know that, I'm sorry. This is really hard though, this is dark comedy, and it's a social comedy because it's about what people will do for money and what they are willing to do. It's sick, because as you're telling me this, I'm like, I'd punch a bouncer for $500. Absolutely, I would get a broken nose for $500, but it doesn't stop there. And again, this is one of those movies that you have to watch and experience, and it doesn't hold back. It gets really sadistic, and it gets really... I can only imagine. Like I said, it's trauma-inspired for a reason, and that starts to come out at the end, and it gets very graphic. It's a fun freaking movie. Okay. It's fun. You got me. I, I'm going to leave it there. I usually like Everyone go see right. Cheap Thrills. That's available now, video on demand. Oh, okay. So do that one. God. We're going to rock through... I'm totally going to not get any work done this week. Not at all. <laughs> I'm just going to plug... Two movies right now, because I saw them both, and they both ruled, and they're both on video on demand right now. Haunt, which is IFC Midnight, uh -huh. an easy ghost thriller that doesn't reinvent the wheel, but it pimps it out. Ooh! And it does it well. Did you say this in your review? I did, of course. Come on. Are they Genius. quoting you in every promo of ever? Of course not. That one. This is what I hate, too. I'm like one of three reviews for this movie on Rotten Tomatoes, and this should be like reviewed by everybody. This is a indie movie but it's so good it's so well done it's, so it's the ghost story kind of genre sucks right now and there's right. not many good ones go see haunt haunt is a good one it doesn't do anything different but it does everything perfectly oh so just do that okay matt carter was the director and andrew Bar bearer was the writer okay and they acknowledged from the very first scene that all ghost stories start the same way and they well, acknowledge that and they embrace it and they even say it in the narration. And from there, it's... I jumped a few times. It was okay. phenomenal. It was great. Haunt. There you go. And the last one I'm going to throw at you, which is available right now. Nurse 3D. <laughs> Paz de la Huerta and Katrina Boat 
Bowden? Yes, Bowden. Why? Did I, I've oh seen my god, the she is. Oh, you've actually seen the Nurse 3D trailer. I have seen the trailer. Every bit as sexy fun as you'd imagine. <laughs> I did imagine it to be some sexy fun. It's Nurse 3D. I, I didn't even see it in 3D, which kind of sucked. Which did kind of piss me off because some of the effects were meant for 3D, really? but I'm watching it on my, you know, home TV, and so you're not getting like the whatever fence grate popping out at you right, you're just getting right. the kind of flat effect of uh, oh god okay but to that respect Paz de la Huerta is crazy insane and she fits the role so really? she's terrifying but she's also very as a man <laughs> you know knowing that she'd probably kill me probably uh, wouldn't <laughs> stop me I, I you know what I hear that because uh you know, a lot of men do say a woman who can beat the hell out of you and kick her ass. She wouldn't just beat the hell Quite out of attractive. me. Quite <laughs> attractive. She tortures many a person in this film. Yeah, and, and the whole still, idea... And you're still interested, so that's... Saying For those something. of you that don't know what we're talking about, basically Paz de la Huerta plays a character who is a nurse by day, and by night she is a serial killer, but she only kills cheating men. She also is obsessed with Katrina Bowden, who is so... Who isn't? Oh, who is it? Tucker and Dale versus Evil. Uh, yeah, she Love her in that. Girl crush on, on 30 after Rock. That. After but anyway. Tucker and Dale shout out. Tucker, big Tucker. <laughs> love <laughs> love me some Tucker and Dale. Yeah, watch that on instant. But no, go rent Nurse 3D. It is the perfect kind of B-movie vibe. That's what you get out of it. You don't go in for a scary kind of thing. You go in for crazy gore. It's a good little beer drinking. Yeah, def mid this is the midnight movie viewing. kind of thing. This is what yeah. you do with your friends on a Saturday night when you don't want to go out and... You just want to... Because it's too damn cold on the East Coast. Too damn cold on the East Coast. <laughs> so non-stop. That was a movie that happened. <laughs> I'm just going to throw it out there. You don't have nothing to say to that. I got to talk to Joel Silver, the producer. I got to talk to Mr. Colette Sarah, the director, because I don't want to mispronounce his first name. But we had a lot of fun. It was a really cool press day. Joel Silver is... He is, like, legendary in the oh, producing yeah, world. Okay. He's done so every one of my favorite... Well, Predator, Die Hard, Demolition Man. No, I'm, no, for me, that's my kind of stuff. You go back to those old school action. So it was really cool because I got to sit down and talk to him and do a one-on-one -on -one interview. And I actually got to talk to him about, you know, his views on making a movie like Predator compared to making a movie like Nonstop and how the action genre has actually evolved into what we have today. And it was really awesome to hear his take on that and all his experience. So that was a lot of fun. The movie I didn't hate... I'm going to throw it out there. You know, I didn't I, hate nonstop. It's doing phenomenal. It was doing phenomenally. Yeah, it's doing phenomenal box office business. It's, it's Liam, who's, who's mean, not going to go see. It's Liam Neeson kicking ass the in the air. Irish icon of American cinema. The Irish icon of America. That's an awful, hefty torch. <laughs> we but can't he, get enough of him. He holds it well. No, and it, it's a lot of fun. It's a really Fair cool hand. little whodunit movie that's in midair, so it's got that whole other element of... Those. Silver kept calling it uh, Murder on the Orient Express, but you know, in the air. And I'm trying to think of in flight movies that really work, like Flight Plan. Airplane. Uh, to me, Flight Plan. Ah, airplane and Snakes <laughs> on a Plane are my two favorites. My it doesn't two get favorite better than that. <laughs> airplane is just one of the greatest comedies ever, so you don't have to say anything more with that. And I Snakes on a Plane. Watch airplane. You hate Samuel Jackson, you're not American. No, that's true. That's you're not a person. You're that not person. even a ghost. No, that doesn't work. <laughs> You're not a person or You can't go past person. Yeah, you can't go past person because you got to be a person to be a ghost. And that, now we're getting into weird territory. You've been watching a lot of these horror movies. I've been watching too many horror movies. <laughs> and we all know that, and that's what I'm going to keep doing. But so for your money, nonstop isn't really that bad. I'm going to give it the thumbs up. So if you haven't caught it yet, Solid three out of five movie watch, you know? Okay. Nothing gonna blow you away, but at the same point. It's got Lupita Nyong'o in it, too. Now that's cool. Lupita's in it. You get actually. Lady I love... Mary, Michelle Joffrey. Scoot McNary. Big oh, Scoot McNary. Yeah, McNary. exactly. What's he doing there? <laughs> what, do you mean? what is he doing? He's being awesome. That I'm is sorry, fine. I just, come on. Julianne Moore. Softly in search of a midnight kiss. He's like a great indie actor. I monsters. guess it's great to see him. Big Monsters fan for McNary. Him, uh, yeah. But that's my thing. That's not your thing. No, it is. So it also is really cool. I got to sit down and listen to Liam and Julianne talk about their experiences. Mm -hmm. 
And it was really funny because somebody asked the question to Liam, you know, oh, what do you do when someone approaches you on an airplane? And he's like, I just tell him to fuck off. <laughs> and just hearing him say that in his accent is just one of the most... It doesn't get better than kill that. For, I would literally kill to have that happen to me. And, and then he continued on farther and he said, hey, I love when little children come up to me and I just kick him aside and go, hey, fuck <laughs> off. And like, he, Obviously he was kidding, that wasn't serious. But he was really cool at the press day as well. I had a lot of fun with that day. So I bet. Yeah, he's cool. He's a cool dude. Chill dude. Chill dude. And I respect him. Just a little much. shout out to We Got This Covered. Um, after talking to Mr. Colette Sarah, I came back here and posted news that he would be continuing with Akira. And that he was gearing up for that. And if you follow We Got This Covered, you'll know that I posted th we posted that on our site a day earlier before everybody, yet didn't get any of the credit. Oh, tough Boo. Times. We're not cool enough for the cool kids table yet. We will be shortly. We will be. You are. It's just people don't know it yet. But if you're listening to this, you did see that come a day early before everybody. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you for appreciating. You know, spread the word. We're always there for the breaking <laughs> we exclusives. Got this cover first. <laughs> so the 300 sequel comes out this week. I think that's the big release, really. Mm -hmm. It's going up against Peabody and Sherman and, well, sorry, the Grand Budapest Hotel. That is a big release. Right, right. But looking simply at 300 first of all no murrow takes over for Zack snyder you've got a movie that's more gore more killing more of the brutal warrior aspect mm -hmm. versus snyder's more heroic more spartan take okay so much death destruction flying limbs like swirls of CGI blood like okay. they really blew the slow-mo out on this one and also it takes place at sea this is the naval battle that happens which is where Ava Green's character Amnesia comes in mm -hmm. and I liked it I liked that aspect in the same respect that it was in 3D okay. and I've never had this reaction to a 3D movie before but however they filmed this, mm -hmm. and the the mixing of the slow motion, but also furious action that shakes around a lot, and then the ocean moving around a lot, and the 3D was not right. Something was not, it was not layered correctly. I don't know what it was. I got physically ill. I didn't, I didn't actually like, get sick. 300 will make you want to vomit. But it really gave me some type of motion sickness where halfway through the screening, I had to like keep taking my glasses off to like give myself a break. Oh, wow. And literally, I bolted out of that theater I, as soon as I could. I ran out. I went on the subway. I like, I thought I was going to uke. I've never uked on a subway before, and I thought it was that was going to be my first time. 300. Yeah, 300 made me puke on a subway. didn't think you could. I had to get off at every stop. That's how bad it was. No I would way. do a stop, get off, oh God, take a breather. Horrible. I know. It was really a horrifying you experience. Really Ill. It was fun if you're a gore hound and if you're going to be one of those people that's just going in it for the violence, you're probably going to like this. See, the thing that I thought would be interesting about it is the fact that they tried to make it a movie that appeals to both men and women, and or it seemed that they were doing that, so they were having these strong female characters injected into this movie. Ava Green, very strong, very female. Okay, very female. She is extremely female. <laughs> That's a compliment. Ava Green plays Artemisia, who is Xerxes' naval commander, and she basically comes out as this puppet master of sorts who uses Xerxes. And I'm not gonna say how or anything, mm -hmm. but she is a very strong character mm -hmm. in a physical sense. And she still is, uh, in any other sense of the word. She's not, you know, made into this fair maiden or any kind of stereotype. So I think she, they actually she did... She uses two swords in battle at one point, I know. She does. She most... <laughs> and she uses two other things in some other type of battle. Done. That men will enjoy. See, that's what I don't like. <laughs> <laughs> what? What? You mean the random gratuitous nudity? <laughs> that's what you don't enjoy? Oh, but it's, <laughs> it wasn't fun for me. That's the thing. And not only because it made me motion sick. It wasn't that fun kind of grindhousey movie. He tries, Gnome tries to make the 300 movie that amps the dial up to 11 and cranks it off and throws it away. Like, that's the wow. movie he wanted to make. 
and it just ends up being an exercise in violence that doesn't really come together. I did see Grand Budapest Hotel and did the junket. I think it's an incredible gem of a movie that couldn't have come soon enough in terms of cinematic releases. I think that, like all of Wes Anderson's work, it's something that features an incredible cast and a unique storyline that you just can't get enough of. And for me, the highlight was Ray Fiennes. I felt like throughout the movie, he was making up for all the fun his past characters didn't have. I'm so used to seeing him in this torturous situation. And here, he's just having so much fun. And there's nothing better, I think, than when you watch a film, and it could be the worst film, but you see an actor really get into it and ham it up and love it, that goes a long way. And here, it's supported by the fact that it is a great script and there's great scenery and costumes and makeup and eccentric characters. Uh, he plays Gustav, the most perfumed man, <laughs> which I think is a great uh, way to preface the character. He usually doesn't do that. <laughs> I can tell you. He usually does not portray that kind of character. He does not. And, you you know, I, I was rolling through his filmography and I was like, wow. So many of his characters are tortured souls from the past. And here you have a fictional world, a fictional uh, place, but it does incorporate real themes and historical uh, events. And I think that it's it's an homage to European cinema, while at the same time, of course, having that unique blend of work, a uh, blend of creativity that Wes is known for. And so I did get to do the press day and uh, talk to Jeff Goldblum, Willem Dafoe. I'm jealous of that, by the way. <laughs> Getting Goldblum and Dafoe in the same room. I did say when I sat down, I said, this is the coolest interview pairing of all time. I and it really was, because they were so funny. And the thing that's in the end of the interview, it's a little outtake. When I sat down and, I, and they said Justine from We Got This Covered, they <laughs> Jeff Goldblum goes, what? We got this covered? Like he's, he's <laughs> fake, he's mining a phone. Like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking he's like, we got this covered. We don't know what to do with. And we got uh, this covered. it was so funny. I died laughing. At the same time, I, I, I want to share this joke with them, but they had already counted down and it was time to do the interview. We didn't have much time. So right. I had to be like, keep it serious, okay? And that happens sometimes. Like, you really do just want to connect with them and laugh and just be friends. But I've been before when, uh, I think it was Patrick Wilson yes, for Insidious 2. Yeah, you edited that video. I edited that thing now. And he's good. talking to me about my shoes, and I keep trying to, like, get to the questions, and he's just talking about my Nightmare on Elm Street kicks. And he wastes, like, a up. minute, and he's like, oh, I'll give him some more time. And, like, they're just like, no. Absolutely. And I was like, I just lost a minute because he talked about my shoes. It's so, so rough. Yeah, when you sit down, and it happened to me, I can't even get over this, I'm still like, what? Uh, last year at the Great Gatsby Junket, I had three minutes to talk to Baz Luhrmann about the Great Gatsby. Like, are you kidding me? And I walked in, and he's very, he's like this ethereal being. And <laughs> ethereal? He, yeah, wow. <laughs> it's weird. He walks over to the door when you're walking in the room, and he'll be like, he'll be like walk with me. And he takes my hand, and we walk. And he <laughs> he just, guided you to the door. He guided me to the chair. And he just starts talking to me about something, and I'm like, yes. And we get into it, and I ask maybe one question. And he goes on and on, and then I go to ask my next one, and I got the stand-up, which is oh. know, the PA stands up and, and practically drags you out of the yeah. room. He was like, oh, whoops, you know, I'm so sorry. Oh, we're just getting started. And it's crazy because... He really was, he was like, you know, Justine, like, how, how many times do they say your name or remember your name, even if they've just said it, you know? So he was really into it, and that interview is not even an interview. <laughs> it is basically a conversation. Something that happened, yeah. Like a that's a cool part of your life. I mean, that's a story. <laughs> it was quite fun. Um, so that's what happened. So here, so I know better than to get carried away and be like, oh, but this is a great which is so hard because you just want to nerd out sometimes. You do. Oh my god, you absolutely do. And so I, I you know, had to keep it on point. And if you see the interview, it's quite colorful. It was filmed in a very colorful room at the Crosby Street Hotel. The Grand Crosby Street Oh, the Crosby. I'm a fan of the Crosby. Yeah. And uh, and so when you watch it, yes, it's a very colorful interview, but it's very to the point. I'm like, so this and that. <laughs> but one of the things we discussed was the fact that Wes runs his sets like a theatrical production. So many of the actors in the, in the movie do That's have a theatrical cool. background. Yeah. And so all the cast, they're not off in their trailers. They are living together. They are at you know the location that they're shooting and they each have their own room, like a dressing room with their costumes in it. 
and I think that's really interesting. And it comes across in the movie, the, the ensemble quality. The ensemble. Ensemble quality. Not to sound like a pretentious A, but that's what I got, and that's why I love the movie. It's a joy. Oh, it's funny because we had the opposite problem, like where I'm saying we didn't have enough time at this. We had the opposite problem, not a problem, at our first TV premiere for the Americans. Which, uh, which our very own Justine did. <laughs> we were, I was and the site was, looking to cover more TV. We were so lucky. To and we always us. are. Let's throw we that there to are. anyone Anybody listening to this. Please, please give us work. Tweet us at Just Browning. And at Donato Bomb. You can find us. We're very public. Yeah, <laughs> I say some dumb things, but just ignore people. them. <laughs> and, uh, come to your house. So, we were so lucky to be asked to cover this, to attend, uh, and I was so worried because there's such a big ensemble. There's, yeah, there's a lot of supporting players. I was so prepared to interview all the supporting players, and we've talked about this. With red carpets, you just never know how it's going to turn out. It's a gamble. You know, you never know who you're going to talk to, how much time you're going to have. Uh, for example, you know, we went, we did the Writers Guild Awards earlier last month. And there were about 20 people going, including actors, and mm -hmm. I was prepared to interview everybody because that's what you have to do. You have to prepare and know their work and know what they look like, even if they're writers, because obviously you don't know what half the writers look like. Nope. Some of your favorite You're screenwriters just... and showrunners. And so I prepared, prepared, prepared for that. And then I get there and I'm covering the ceremony and I realize we're getting some great writers, showrunners, screenwriters. And so I didn't really even bother trying to talk to some of the actors that were there, you know, some <laughs> of the, because it just didn't fit into right, it doesn't make... what we were doing. Mm -hmm. uh, we were doing this classy little jazz, you know, with jazz music in the background, little, you know, chat. With this, I was so prepared to interview the supporting players. I thought that would be the main focus of the interviews, the, you know, the stars of the show. I thought maybe we'd get a couple of questions in. What ended up happening is that a you were few too awesome. were there that were asking certain questions that they probably didn't want to answer. Mm. A little bit ridiculous, a little bit personal. I the gossip tabloids. A little bit, and I we're better than that here. I yeah, we're better than that, and I don't know what happened. I ended up getting like four minutes with the lead actors. I barely actually had time to talk to the supporting cast, so they're not even in. The interview that I ended up cutting together, which you can Sorry, see on the supporting cast. You know, they were great. I did interview them, but actually, most most of the time was spent with the with the leads, and it was bizarre. I, I haven't had those like that amount of time to interview people in general, let alone on a red carpet, and so that was so much fun and such a cool night. And we also got to go to the screening, you know, of the of the show of the season premiere, and then across the street because it was at the Paris Theater go to the plaza for the after party, which included a live 80s band and the cast was there. Oh, that's Everyone so was cool. eating and dancing and getting drunk and I was drinking coffee. <laughs> and you were being responsible. I'm 85. <laughs> but it was one of those cool experiences where you feel like, wow, there's all this work to get here paid off because we really were fighting to, to cover more TV. So. I also do want to note there was a party after 300. And I couldn't go because that's how sick it made me. I turned down free alcohol. That's how bad I felt. You're kidding me. I know. That was, who, what, screen, tell me more. <laughs> I, they, there was a lounge around the corner and they gave us uh, free. And not before the movie? No. To make you like it more? See, that's their first mistake. <laughs> that was their first mistake. Let me tell you. If I had been drunk enough, uh, that would have been. This bizarre thing, not to get so off topic, but it is, a th they've been known, I don't want to say they. But some studios have been known to give you booze before screening. I, went I have to never been to a screening that gave me booze beforehand. One time it happened to me. I went to the Red 2 screening this summer, and I ended up oh, enjoying... Oh, I was there too. You, you were there too. I just had no idea. Aww, how was that? <laughs> I actually liked Red 2. So. I really enjoyed it. Well, well man, we got to talk about that. We went to the I think you remember this. We went to the screening. I didn't know you then, but we were at this screening, and it wasn't starting... There and, was a cocktail hour in between. And all of a sudden, they're like, actually, you could go in the theater and go in the back of the theater yep. through some kind of weird door. They, they sweeten the deal by doing a cocktail hour or so. And somebody, I remember another reporter turning to me and going, oh my god, they're giving us booze, this is not a good sign. And I no. almost walked out. It was out. a perfect sign because... I, I almost said, ugh, I'm going to eat this food and I'm going to leave. But delicious I little appetizers. The movie and it was such a, a fully stocked bar. It was, yeah, that was great. They, was knew, they knew what they were doing there. So these are the 
things that happen to us in New York City. Our life is hard. It's quite hard for free food. <laughs> the strive for, for open bars. Or hors d'oeuvres served to us on a platter behind a movie theater. Behind a, behind a movie theater. <laughs> Don't go with the man, Vegas. Bringing the orders like behind. That you'll be telling yeah. me about next week. The murderer who lures food. And it's about a girl, and she goes to a movie theater, and then a man tries to serve her hors d'oeuvres behind the movie theater. I feel like. And, and she like, stupidly goes and with she him. Goes, this is a found footage film. I feel like this is something you're going to be telling me about in a few weeks. If you're listening, <laughs> d- never go behind a movie theater with a strange man with food. <laughs> I meant in the back Kids, of the actual This is theater. like a PSA no, in the I don't making. Know what I mean. I know what you mean, but you said it. You're the projectors. You said it, and it's been recorded, so it's It's officially out there. But if you want to see any of our reviews, they are on the website. So our reviews for Peabody, the Grand Budapest Hotel, the 300 sequel, written by yours truly. Just 300. Video interviews. And video interviews coming from Just over there. You're going to get her Grand Budapest double team with uh, Willem Dafoe and Jeff Goldblum. Check out all our content on the website. All our reviews are up there. All my reviews for the video on demand stuff that I talked about, all there. So, we have you covered. Right. Man, I can't end on that though, because that's just so we lame. We got it covered. We got it covered. More than everybody. Okay. Pharrell hat. Pharrell hat. Can we just end it on Pharrell hat? We out. <laughs>